So we are continuing our discussion on the great treasury of Western thought. And uh, today I'll take um, well, we'll take dreams. The world, okay, let's see. In a morbid condition of the brain, dreams often have a singular actuality, vividness, and extraordinary semblance of reality. At times, monstrous images are created, but the setting and the whole picture are so truth-like and filled with details, so delicate, so unexpectedly, but so artistically consistent that the dreamer, were he an artist like Pushkin or Turgenev even, could never have invented them in the waking state. Such sick dreams always remain long in the memory and make a powerful impression on the uh, overall thought and deranged nervous system. Dostoevsky, the crime and punishment one and five. So, yes, we have... Srimad Bhagavatam describes three states of consciousness. It is said the stage of, uh, of deep sleep, the dreaming state, and the state of, of being conscious. Hmm. The world of dreams is our real world whilst we are sleeping, because our attention then lapses from the sensible world. Conversely, when we wake, the attention usually lapses from the dream world, and that becomes unreal. But if a dream haunts us and compels our attention during the day, it is very apt to remain figuring in our consciousness as a sort of sub-universe along of the waking world. Most people have probably had dreams which it is hard to imagine not to have been glimpses into an 
actually existing region of being, perhaps a corner of the spiritual world. And dreams have accordingly in all ages been regarded as revelations and have played a large part in furnishing forth mythologies and creating them themes for faith to lay hold upon. The larger universe here, which helps us to believe both in the dream and the waking reality, which is its immediate reductive. It is the total universe of nature plus the supernatural. The dreams hold true, namely, in one half of that universe, the waking perceptions in the other half. William James, Psychology 21. <coughs> mm. Yes, so we dream and sometimes we, uh, we are just uh, in the dream world, sometimes in our present world. And of course, we know that, uh, that the dream carries forward elements from real life. Uh, Prabhupada would say, we see, a, we see a mountain, we see gold, and we dream of a golden mountain. Like that, um, dreams may use impressions that we have, but dreams are also giving us uh, a language. Right? It is a language by which uh, some messages <clears throat> reach us from our deeper self. Um, then there are another category of dreams, which are dreams that are actually uh, connecting with the Supreme Lord and with the spiritual reality, and that sometimes in a dream, something comes through from that sphere. And uh, once we've become devotees of Krishna, then that spirituality has become uh, very, very clearly uh, uh, defined. Uh, then we very much know uh, <clears throat> then we very, very much know what that uh, yeah, who the Supreme Lord is. And we may dream, and some dream of Krishna, some dream of Prabhupada. Um, some devotees are really great dreamers. They have wonderful dreams. Yes. Um, me, my dreams are sometimes, but mostly uh, they're, they're quite dealing with practical things or yeah things like that quite down to earth dreams yeah but all right dreams speak to us as a language and it's not about what we see but what we associate with these things and what the dreams will tell us that that's what they say The dream is not comparable to the irregular sounds of a musical instrument, which instead of being played by the hand of a musician, is struck by some external force. The dream is not meaningless, not absurd. Thus, oh, 
does not presuppose that one part of our store of ideas is dormant, while another part begins to uh, awake. It is perfectly valid. Uh, it is a perfectly valid psychic phenomenon, actually a wish fulfillment. It may be enrolled in the continuity of the intellect, psychic activities, the waking state. It is built up by the highly complicated intellectual activity. Freud, Interpretation of Dreams 3. The dream often appears to have several meanings. Not only may severe wish fulfillments be combined in it, but one meaning or one wish fulfillment may conceal another. Until in the lowest stratum one comes upon the fulfillment of a wish from the earliest period of childhood. Freud, Interpretation of Dreams. In a certain sense, all dreams are convenience dreams. They serve the purpose of continuing to sleep instead of waking. The dream is the guardian of sleep, not its disturber. The wish to sleep, to which the conscious ego has adjusted itself and which represents the ego's contribution to the dream, uh, must thus always be taken into account as a motive of dream formation. And every successful dream is a fulfillment of this wish. Freud interpretation of dreams. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Again, a short night. Um, <laughs> that I'm talking about dreams. Um, maybe there was a subconscious uh, choice there. Um, anyhow, uh, we are speaking about dreams in relation to um, to Krishna, and we're seeing that some of our acharyas really received very, very deep dreams. Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami was seeing Lord Nichananda, and Lord Nichananda, he saw him in, uh, in full, uh, he saw him like fully equipped, his reddish, darkish complexion, chewing betelna, chanting Krishna with a deep voice, wearing his silks, wearing his jewels, and holding a red iron stick surrounded by uh, devotees who would also be chanting Krishna, Krishna. And in this way, uh, Nichananda was completely transcendental. And then Nichananda instructed him uh, to go to Vrindavan. And there you will attain all things. So Krishnadas Kaviraj took that instruction. It was a life-changing dream. He completely, uh, it wasn't just from, wow, what a nice dream. No, it was really like Krishnadas. Uh, one second, let me take off my sweater. 
Prisidas immediately left home and he went to the uh, he he went to Vrindavan. So this is uh, is, a, is is a very exalted level of dreaming, direct communication from from Krishna, and uh, and then taking that and and just uh, dedicating one's life to it. Uh, also. Madhavinda Puri. Madhavinda Puri was dreaming. The deity came in his dream and the deity explained he had been in the bushes for such a long time and then the deity instructed him where he was and the deity told him to call the villagers <laughs> that he could be dug up and so on. And, uh, and all that came to pass. Um, The deity was really there, and he really brought the villagers, and they found the deity, and then installed the deity, and so on. So these are the kind of dreams where Krishna is, through a dream, directly communicating with his uh, with his devotee. Um, otherwise, the the dreams where uh, we ourselves are sort of dealing with. Uh, with suppressed desires and all these things, those are different, yes. So, um, what can we say? Um, I'm thinking that sometimes we could also dream of Krishna, but maybe more see a picture of Krishna or like a picture of Krishna. Not necessarily that we really fully get the darshan of Krishna. Um, you know, that would be possible. So some sort of, there is, for example, in Bhava, Krishna reveals himself in the mind. But in previous stages, um, one would sort of meditate on, uh, on an imaginary form of Krishna, uh, or, or Krishna on a scene of picture, pictures and so on. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know if I want to share such dreams because it sounds so uh, self-aggrandizing. I'll move on from these dreams. The effect which lectures produce on a he hearer depends on his habits. For we demand the language we are accustomed to, and that which is different from this seems not in keeping, but somewhat unintelligible and foreign because it's unwantedness. For it's the customary that it is intelligible. The force of habit is shown by the laws in which the legendary and childish elements prevail 
over our knowledge about them owing to habit. Mm -hmm. From Aristotle, from metaphysics. Yeah, so we're speaking about, about due to habits, uh, we, can, we cannot make sense of what is being said. Like some people said, like they read Prabhupada's book and they couldn't understand a word of it. Right? Now we're talking habits. So that is what he's addressing. They became so conditioned by, uh, by the habits that they could not hear anything that was very different. So, um, yes. So therefore, uh, we carry on hearing and build up spiritual habits. Uh, and, uh, and spiritual habits, when that becomes our reality, when we hear for a long time about the reality of Srimad Bhagavatam, that becomes the new normal, that becomes the new habit. And even, uh, and, it, and it's quite natural then. Yeah. Every habit and faculty is maintained and increased by the corresponding actions. The habit of walking by walking, the habit of running by running. If you would be a good reader, uh, read. If a writer, write. Um, Epictetus discourses. So we're building habits. Um, someone said, oh, I just woke up automatically. Krishna woke me up. So no, it is because one comes into a rhythm. Uh, it becomes a habit. We just wake up because habit. Uh, it is not just, oh, Krishna woke me up. Mm. Um, so to create good habits is, is part of sadhana bhakti. Um, and it, it takes some time to create such good habits, but that is important. Um, therefore, in the temple, initially, there is some training, uh, and then the training one is, is uh, there's, there's a training program, a bhakta program, and in that program, one gets transcendental knowledge, and one builds up good habits. And with the combination of transcendental knowledge and good spiritual habits, then one is well equipped on the spiritual path. Yes. Okay, going again to something different. Um, many topics I don't really want to talk about. Nature of the cosmos, okay, religion. Um, Okay, angels, no, don't want to speak about angels either. Um, okay. Yeah, what topic shall I choose now? Let's see, um, I will talk about uh, integrity. Man's nature may be looked at in two ways. First, in its integrity, 
as it was in our first parent before sin. Secondly, as it corrupted in us after the sin of our first parent. Now in both states, human nature needs the help of God as first mover to do or will any good whatsoever. <clears throat> But in the state of integrity of nature, as regards the sufficiency of operated power, man by his natural endowments could will and do, do the good proportionate to his nature, such as the good of acquired virtue, but not surpassing good as the good of infused virtue. But in, in the state of corrupt nature, man falls short even of what he could do by his nature, so that he's unable to fill it, fulfill it by his own natural powers. Yes, because human nature is altogether corrupted by sin. So, as to be sure of every natural good, even in the state of, of the corrupted. 27, the human condition. Oh. By virtue of its natural endowments, works some particular good is to build dwellings, plant vineyards and the like. Yes, it can, all, it can do all the good and natural to it, and so fall short in nothing. Just a sick man. <clears throat> Just a sick man can of himself make some movements, yet he cannot be perfectly moved with the movements of one in health, unless by the help of medicine he be cured. Aquinas, Summa Theologica, 1-1109-2. Okay, so... Um, so we're looking at, at, at one's nature and uh, the state of integrity of nature and the state of... Uh, Of, uh, of, of sin in nature. Uh, so, Yeah. So, uh, yes, this nature, um, uh, higher nature, lower nature. Uh, let us try to somehow or other, uh, you know, try and uh, embrace more activities of the mode of goodness. And uh, Thou shalt abandon everything, beloved most dearly. This is the arrow which the bowl of of exile shall first shoot 
Thou shalt make trial of how soul dost taste on others' bread, and how the heart, how art the path to descend and mount upon another stair. The world is like a drunken peasant. If you lift him into the saddle on one side, he will fall off on the other side. One cannot help him. No matter how one tries, he wants to be the devil's. Luther, Table Talk, 630. Okay, that's interesting. Um, this Table Talk of, of, of Luther. I'll, uh, I'll follow that up, that leads a little bit. So the world is like a drunken peasant. If you lift him into the saddle on one side, he will fall off on the other side. One can't help him, no matter how one tries. He wants to be the devils. Well, the age of Kali. Uh, it is the influence of the age of Kali is very strong. So it's not easy in this world right now to to preach and establish principles of purity. Therefore. Uh, we need we need a process. Um, Christianity is offering us the uh, process of prayer, and then it offers us uh, a path of repentance and conscious effort to change oneself. And that is very very difficult, and that has also been brought into. Uh, into Krishna consciousness, whereas Krishna consciousness is particularly bringing in the chanting of the holy name. That chanting is so powerful that it will just uplift us, and uh, through that chanting, you know, uh, then the natural tendency changes. Aparapta phalam papam kutam vinam phalam mukam krama nevapaliyatam vishnu bhakti ratatmanam. It is said that. Uh, Due to previous sinful activities, there is a stock of sinful reactions in the heart. This creates a bija, a desire for more sinful activities. Then one engages in sinful, sinful activities and it increases at the stock of sinful reactions in the heart. So this is a vicious circle from sin to, to reactions to sinful inclination, more sin to more reactions. Yes, but sometimes some of the reactions stored in the heart are fructifying. Then they become phala, they become fruit. When they are fruit, then fructified, we go to reactions, suffer, and we get relieved from the reactions. So in this way, gradually, some of the stock is being removed. Um, but we suffer for that. Yes, but by the process of devotional service, uh, we diminish all of them. We diminish the stock, we diminish the sinful, the bija, the sinful inclination, and we diminish the fruits. Uh, we only get token reactions. So, yeah, in that way, gradually, uh, we go beyond this idea of that the world uh, belongs to or that man wants to be the devils uh, and that the world is like that. Okay, let's look at some more table.
Yes, there's lots of table talk. Youth is impertinent. So we see lawyers who in their first years are masters of all law. In their second year are Justinians. In their third year are Lysentians. In their fourth year give formal opinions. And in their fifth year finally become trembling students. That is the way a boy acts in a bowling alley. First he expects to strike 12 pins, then 9, then 6, then 3, and... At last, he's satisfied with one and probably misses the Elliot that it would, be, it would be a good thing if young people were wise and old people were strong, but God has arranged things better. Hmm. Yes, well, you know, it, it, so youth may be overconfident and, uh, but that is also needed. Um, uh, old age, the old man becomes paralyzed by uh, previous difficult experiences to, uh, to take on the struggle. Uh, therefore, that spirit of youth to rise to the occasion and to take on anything and everything, even if sometimes youth overestimates it's power. Uh, still, we need use. Then it's possible to bring the two together and, um, and make, uh, make change with a lot of force and at the same time with a lot of wisdom. Okay, let's look a little bit more. So when I'm angry, I can write, pray, and preach well, for then my whole temperament is quickened, my understanding sharpened, and all mundane vexations and temptations depart. Yes. Okay, but anger is at the same time a symptom mode of ignorance. So the anger may come, and it may be true that we are uh, have an in intensified of consciousness and we strongly uh, strongly wish to argue and the arguments just come just one after another uh, but uh, bring the consequences of its actions anger is is destructive mm. Yes. So it's to be careful with anger. Um, um, that anger is combined with thoughtfulness and that uh, when anger arises, that we hold back for a moment and say, what will I do? Hmm. Of course, there are different kinds of anger. There is a, uh, a hot anger which, uh, where, uh, which flares up 
like fire just wants to burn and destroy. Then there is a more cool anger, which is their um, anger stays because of the great injustice and therefore um, and, and seeing that forgiveness is now not the right action. Now punishment is the only thing. Um, sometimes forgiveness is difficult because we forgive, that is, that is nice, but if someone is too corrupted and too degraded and too cruel, uh, then what are we going to do? Then we can only, uh, yeah, then punishment. Therefore, uh, society has some system of law and order and punishment for those people who are out of hand. And maybe in due course of time, in the long term, forgiveness is appropriate, but not in, this, in, this, in the short term. Hmm. Okay, let's carry on with our table talk. Oh, that is... As thus, you know that each evangelist who tells the passion of Lord Jesus Christ says not in all things as his fellows do, but nonetheless, each gospel is all true, and all of them according their essence. Howbeit, there is in telling difference, for some of them say more and some say less. What they his piteous passion would express, I mean now Mark and Matthew and Luke and John, yet without doubt their meaning is all one. Chaucer, Canterbury Tales. Oh, I went to the uh, Canterbury Tales. Okay. Um, yes, well, it wasn't table talk. Table talk is next. But uh, it is uh, describing the uh, uh, yeah the differences that can be there uh, when different preachers are speaking, uh, different spiritual teachers are are speaking, uh, although they are from the same discipline and representing the same teachings, they may present it in a different way. Yes, according to their different levels of realization according to their natures, according to what they think is relevant for the circumstances, but uh, according to their capacity. But each one is, is basically pointing, uh, pointing at Krishna as our only shelter, uh, no other shelter. Okay, let's go back to table talk. Superstition, idolatry, and hypocrisy have ample wages, but truth goes a-begging. Luther, table talk. Uh, yes, maybe, you know, as, 
as Lincoln said, you, you can fool some of the people um, some, some of the time. You can fool some of the people all of the time. But you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. So, yeah, you can fool some of the people all of the time. You can fool all of the people some of the time. But you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. Mm. So, in this way, superstition, idolatry, and hypocrisy have ample wages, yes, because some of the people are fooled and they will support it. But ultimately, uh, so such people seem to have success and get quick success. But um, ultimately, the truth will prevail because you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. Mm. With the profound divine state whereof I speak, my mind is tempted more times than once by evangelic teachings. This, this the beginning is, this is the spark which then dilates into a living flame and like a star in heaven shines in me. Oh, I went to Dante's Paradiso. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, um, so you know, in when we are not yet in the uh, in a profound state, then by mercy of the of the devotees and mercy will be there. But gradually, the uh, result of that association will enter us and create a transformation within us, and then we'll enter ourselves into a divine state of consciousness, and then. Uh, we will be uh, very much um, uh, speaking from an inspired platform. Okay, Luther. Prior to faith and the knowledge of God, reason is darkness, but in believers it's an excellent instrument. Just as all gifts and instruments of nature are evil, uh, in godless men, so they're good in believers. Faith is now furthered, furthered by reason, speech, and eloquence, whereas these were not only impotent prior to faith. Uh-huh. Prior to faith and the knowledge of God, reason is darkness. In believers, it's an excellent instrument, just as all gifts and instruments of nature are equal in godless men. So they're good in believers. Faith is now furthered by reason, speech, and eloquence, whereas these were only impediments prior to faith. Enlightened reason, take captive by faith, receives life for faith, from faith, for it is slain and given life again. Mm. Yeah, whatever we, we, we use, if we are not got consciousness, how can we use things favorable? Huh? 
for the benefit of the world, we may do some welfare work. And that welfare work um, seems good. Um, saving people's lives and selflessly working for that. Yeah, but we are not sure what people will do for, their, for these lives. So it is not pure good. There is an element of goodness in there, the, the, the sacrifice made by the doctor who saves the life. But then uh, the doctor also will get his share of the karma of all the activities that that person will engage in, all the sinful activities. And because the doctor fixed his health, the doctor has to also absorb some of that karma. Okay, um, so as you can see, um, I'm a little uh, sleepy today. Uh, and uh, I'll speak again this afternoon at, uh, on, uh, on YouTube. Uh, um, <clears throat> Let us see, yes. Uh, did, did you receive the link? Some, some of you must have the link already. Oh. For the Zoom, which happens at 3 o'clock. Yes, so, okay. Uh, then... Uh, So yes, Sweeney didn't get it, hmm. but but her friend Malika has it. So can someone write the the Zoom details here on the on on the on the chat? Um, yeah. Um, gosh, uh, I don't have it here. Or where is it? Uh, it's on my phone, on the other one. It's on my phone. Uh -huh. Other phone. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you are forward. Okay, Hare Krishna.